if you weren't in here when I was uh, when we started worship, uh, my name's Kyle Bobus. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Presbyterian Church in the Woodlands. Um, I've been here a couple times with you before. Um, I'm excited to be back with you. Although um, I wish for y'all's y'all sake and for the Arnold's sake that Blake was here, because um, that that would mean Maisie wasn't sick. And so. Um, it is just an an honor to be here to to worship with y'all and to open up God's word with you. Um, Today we're going to be looking at Psalm 100. Um, Y'all were supposed to be starting a new series on 1 Corinthians, I think last week, and then Brooks was here, and then um, I'm here today. So we're just going to continue looking at the Psalms together. Uh, Anytime we we look at the the Psalms, um, we need to remember uh, that the Psalms were originally Israel's songbook. It was their like corporate worship uh, book. It wasn't just this thing that they read in isolation, these, this book of poems that they read um, by themselves in their own homes, although it was that. It was this corporate prayer and songbook uh, that was um, meant to shape Israel's identity, was meant to shape their hearts, their understanding of who God is and how they are called to respond to him. Um, the Psalms ultimately were meant to reorient um, our hearts towards God in worship. Um, as we close this portion of the summer and we begin looking at the next season ahead of us, um, I hope looking at Psalm 100 this morning will be an encouragement to you uh, as we focus for a few moments on the idea of thankfulness. Um, if we're honest, thankfulness can be really difficult for many of us. Um, I know for, for me at least, um, I really struggle to be thankful. We all wrestle, I think, um, with gratitude. It's really hard to do. It's easy to find things to complain about. Uh, It's easy to find and fixate on the things that are wrong um, in our lives, in the lives of those around us, in our children, um, in our spouses, in our workplace, uh, in our in our church, in our government, wherever we are, um, it's really easy to be fixated on being cynical and being hopeless. Um, I don't have to convince you of that. Just look at any social media feed. Uh, turn on the news. Um, there's a lot to be frustrated about. Um, there's a lot going on, whether it's, uh, you know, the season with the extended stay of the coronavirus, Uh, the political unrest here in this country, um, in Afghanistan, um, the difficulty with schools and churches reopening. Are we going to be wearing masks? Are we not going to be wearing masks? Um, There's a lot to be discouraged and defeated about. Um, And so often, our knee-jerk reaction to life around us um, is to look at what we don't like, what bothers us, Um, How can I be offended? What can I disagree with? Rather than looking at what's good, what's true, what's beautiful, um, what can we celebrate? What can we be grateful and even thankful for? Um, The title of Psalm 100 is a psalm for giving thanks. And it calls us to worship our God, to give thanks to him. But it forces us to ask this question, where does our thankfulness even begin? What reason do we really have to give thanks Hurricane Hurricane Ida is bearing down on New Orleans as we speak. Um, People in Afghanistan are hurting and struggling. We we can't even comprehend the pain that they're experiencing. So what reason do we have to give thanks? This passage this morning, hopefully, uh, points us to one specific place, and it's here 
and out of this, that thankfulness can actually become a way of life for us as God's people, how it, and it can begin to flow in and through every aspect and every area of our lives. So please stand for the reading of God's word, Psalm 100. Um, I'm reading from the NIV. I realize it's going to be a little bit different from what you have printed in front of you. Um, hopefully it will still make sense. Um, Psalm 100, a psalm for giving grateful praise. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated, and let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy. We thank you that you meet with us in this place. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word and see who you are and who we are uh, in light of you making us. We pray that this morning... Uh, you would move in our hearts, that you would soften us, that you would um, show us your grace and your mercy, that we would see that we are yours, that you love us, that you made us, that your faithfulness, your love endures forever. Help that to be real for us this morning and to be the truest thing about us. It's in Christ's name that we come. Amen. Well, one of my favorite TV shows, I think you can watch it on Hulu now, uh, is Smallville. I love comic books and I'm super nerdy about that. Um, but Smallville tells the story about how Superman really became Superman. So it kind of goes through his, his you know, teenage years, basically, is what it focuses on. But Smallville, the show, it begins with this meteor crash in Smallville, Kansas. And then these farmers, Jonathan and Martha Kent, they find this little boy in this field where this meteor has just crashed and he's unharmed. And they take the boy in. They've been waiting their whole lives to have a child, and they haven't been able to have one. And so they find this little boy, um, and they, they kidnap him, basically, and they make him their son. Um, it's a little dark there, but it's the way the story goes. So they, they, make, they make this little boy their son. They give him a name. They call him Clark Kent. They adopt him. They bring him in. And what they begin to discover about Clark is that he's no ordinary boy. Um, he has these crazy superpowers, and they're helping him learn how to control them. But what they also discover is that Clark is supposed to use these powers that he has to rule the human race. He's supposed to be the, the, the god over planet Earth. But because he's a Kent now, because he's been given this new name, because they've made him their own, Clark doesn't turn out to be this evil tyrant. He becomes this quiet and humble Superman. He uses his gifts to help other people. So knowing who he is, but more importantly, whose he is, makes all the difference in the world. That really brings us to our text for this morning. Um, and we're going to get to that right at the end of the, the sermon. But, but before we get to whose we are, and how we're supposed to live out of that with thankful lives, I first just want to briefly walk through the psalm together. Um, if you, if you look at Psalm 100, there's several commands and imperatives uh, that are throughout it. The, the imperatives in this psalm, they're not suggestions. They're not just like, hey, if you feel like it, shout for joy to the Lord. Worship the Lord with gladness. It's not just do this if you feel like it. They're commands. 
They're inviting us. They're calling us to worship the God of the Bible who's made himself known to us. Verse 1 says, Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. The translation that you have in front of you, it says, Make a joyful noise. Um, this isn't just, you know, for those of us who are tone deaf, like we need to sing loudly when we're in church. Um, that's not what it means, although we should do that. Um, this shout for joy, this is a hearkening back to the, to the fanfare and the shouting, the roar of the crowd, really, as it were, for the victorious king who returns from battle, where the whole city around him is roaring and excited because the king is back, and he's won this great victory for his people to share in. This shouting for joy, it's not a restrained worship. It's shouting. It's passionate. It's giving glory, giving praise to the God who made us, to the God who loves us and pursues us and protects us and keeps us. You know, what might this look for you? Um, one way to think about it is for those of you who are, are sports fans or, or, or football fans, um, you get this. It's instinctual. Um, no one has to tell you how to respond when your team gets the winning touchdown. No one has to tell you how to respond when Jose Altuve hits a home run in game six of the ALCS. You explode out of your chair. You leap forward in praise and excitement. You jump out of your seat and you shout. No one has to tell you how to do that. What would it look like if we, as God's people, responded with this level of engagement, this level of excitement and thankfulness and celebration to the good news that the God of the universe who created you, who made you, who loves you, came to rescue you with the life and death of his son, Jesus. This is what we're called to. This is how we're called to approach God as we come into his presence for worship. And then who is it that's called to shout for joy here? It's all the earth. It's a universal call. It's for everyone. Everyone is invited to participate. Everyone is invited to be a part of it. Everyone is welcome. And then verse two invites us to worship, to serve our God. Our worship, gathering together for worship this morning um, to praise and to give ourselves to God is actually an act of service. We're serving the God who made us in this place, in this moment. And it's actually the first and it's the only response that we owe him. It's the only thing that actually makes sense. Uh, when we see that the Lord is God, when we, like Isaiah, when we approach him, we fall on our faces before him and we say, oh my gosh, you're God and I am not. You're holy and I am not. I'm giving myself over to you completely. You're the creator God who made me and everything that I see around me. But what's also amazing is that he's not just the creator God. He's a personal God. He's a relational God. He's the rescuer that's called us to be his own. And he's come in the person of Jesus to make us his, to bring us into relationship with him through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension, through his reigning on high and his interceding for you at this very moment. And so serving him, worshiping him with gladness is the only response that's appropriate when we come and encounter this God. When you receive an amazing gift from someone, um, like the first thing we teach our kids, right? When they get a birthday gift or they get any gift at all, like what do we tell them? 
We tell them, like, oh, go, go say thank you, because they forget. Um, but when you receive an amazing gift, it would not make any sense at all for you just to get that gift and then to just be like, okay, cool, and just kind of continuing on living life as if it didn't matter at all. Um, it would be weird if you did that. Um, you shouldn't do that. You should say at least thank you. <laughs> um, but what if the gift was so great? What if it actually changed the course of your life? What if it actually, what if someone like paid your hospital bills or paid your mortgage or bought you a new car if you were in need? Your response wouldn't just be, thanks, I appreciate that. That was really kind of you. No, you would explode with praise. You would explode with thankfulness and gratitude. You would erupt with this celebration of thankfulness. You'd be so filled and overwhelmed with gratitude and with thanksgiving that you couldn't even contain it. Your heart would erupt with this. Now, what if the God of the universe gave himself for you? What if he paid for all of your sin? What if he got rid of everything that kept you from him and he made it possible for you to enjoy relationship? What if he cleansed you from everything that you've ever done wrong? What if he freed you from sin and death and he made you his own child? How much more should our hearts erupt with praise and devotion and gratefulness and singing to the one who's defeated death for us? for the one who's defeated sin for us, the one who gives us the very thing that our hearts desire most, the one who, who gives us all of his love, all of his favor, who gives us all of his perfection, all of his beauty, and everything that is true about Jesus becomes true about us when we, become, when we enter into relationship with him through faith and repentance. What if that were true? How would you respond? You would erupt with thanksgiving. You would shout for joy to the Lord because that is who he is and that is what he has done for us. Now look at um, verse four with me. Um, when we come to verse four here, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. We need to know that, that um, and, and we need to see that the courts, that the gates here of the temple, they're not ours to enter into. We actually don't belong there. The innermost parts of the temple are not for us. We're not able to just come in as we want because that is where God dwells. And because of his holiness, his holiness would just consume us if we just entered in kind of willy-nilly thinking that we can just draw close to God because of our sin. His glory would consume us. We're actually not allowed to enter into these, these deepest, most intimate of places. But... The good news of the gospel is because of his love for us, because of Jesus' death on the cross, God opens the barriers for us. When Jesus breathes his last on the cross in, in the gospel of Mark, we're transported to the temple and we're told that the temple curtain is torn from top to bottom, completely removing the barriers so that we, sinful, broken, rebellious people, can enter into relationship with God now. There's nothing that's holding us back. We can actually enter into the innermost parts because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, and we can come intimately and boldly into his presence. 
And so now we don't come as these like timid, scared servants who are bringing their sacrifices and are trying to keep our distance, are bowing in fear, trying to keep God at arm's length. We can now come as children. We can come intimately and boldly with only the rights and access that children have to their parents. You know, if I'm sitting in my office at church, um, only my three children, only Ella and Jude and Sawyer, like can run behind my desk and leap up into my lap. Um, because they're my children. It would be weird if like the other people, the other adults in, in our church, like when they come, like they did that, like it would be really weird because they're not my children. Um, like it would be weird also for lots of other reasons. But um, none of the adults that I, I meet with, they would, none of them would dare dream of doing that. But my children, because they are mine, because I love them, because they know that they're safe and secure with me, they not only can approach me that way, I love it when they do. And it's the same way for us with the God of the universe. We can enter into his presence now confidently, boldly, leaping into his arms, ready to be held in, by his embrace his love for us, his care for us, his sacrifice for us, and it actually enables us and it compels us to come before him with gratitude, with thanksgiving, with confidence, with boldness to enter before him in worship and in praise. So we see here, verse one, verse four, they call us to shout for joy to the Lord, to give thanks and to come before him with praise. Verse two says, worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. We're invited to enter into his presence, giving thanks and praise to him and to him alone because he's the only one that's actually worthy of it. And that's how God's people are supposed to be defined. That's how we as, as Presbyterians, you as Cornerstone, that's how we are to be defined as a worshiping community that's forever giving thanks, that's forever giving praise and worship and service to the one true God who made everything, who revealed himself to us. But we have to ask the question, why? Why are we supposed to be this people? What reason do we really have for giving thanks to God? We already said, you know, if we're honest, we look around us and just things are broken in every area and aspect of our lives. Um, things are crashing and spinning out of control in governments, um, in our political systems, in our educational, in our, um, our social institutions. You know, Hurricane Ida is, is bearing down on New Orleans. Our jobs are frustrating. Our friendships are broken. Our families are broken. Our bodies are broken. And our own hearts are divided and distracted. Yet, our God is inviting us to not allow these things to have the loudest voice in our heads. He's inviting us to see that they don't actually have the last word when it comes to him. And so again, why? Why is that true? Because God wants you this morning to trust and to believe that what he says about you, what he thinks about you, if you are his, it's the truest thing about you. You are his dearly beloved child in whom he delights, that he has forgiven, that he accepts, that he sings over, that he rejoices, that when he thinks of you, he breaks into song. That is the truest thing about you, whether you think it or you feel it or not. 
and because he wants us to trust and he wants us to believe that his voice, that his person, his purpose, his reality, it's the loudest one in the room and he will have the, the last word where he will finally and ultimately defeat sin and evil and death once and for all and he calls us as his children and he equips us to let him be God, to let him worry about God things and to trust him and live thankful lives even in the midst of great uncertainty, even in the midst of great confusion and chaos and suffering. And again, why does he do that? Verse three shows us the ultimate reason that we have to be thankful to our God and it's the place back at the beginning where thankfulness really takes root in our lives. And it's only here where it can flourish and it can spread and we can actually become who we're called to be as God's people. Verse three, it says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This is the very thing that we have to be thankful to God for. In the midst of everything around us, we can first and foremost be thankful and give praise to our God that he is God and he's the one who made us. Now this, it includes his work as the creator, but more specifically, he's made us, he's called us, he's gathered us to be his people. And the verse continues, and, and we are his. How are we his? It's not because of there's, there's anything good in us. It's not because there was anything really exciting about us where, or we had anything really great to offer God. Um, or it's not like God looked down on us and he was like, hey, I need to have this person on my team. Like they, they really have it going on. I need them. Um, he has made us his own because of his love for us. Because he loves us despite our messes, despite our brokenness, despite our rebellion, despite our sin. Verse five says, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. If you are trusting in Jesus this morning, God has chosen you to be his, not because of anything good in you, not because of anything you did or you didn't do, but simply because he loves you, simply because he decided to make you his. What we need to be reminded of is our goodness doesn't get us in and our failures and our sin and our brokenness, they don't keep us out. God, the God of, of this psalm here, the God of all of scriptures, he is better at, at grace and mercy than we are at sinning. His mercy and his grace are more than all of our sin. And he demonstrates that love and that mercy to us by sending Jesus into this world to do everything that we couldn't do to please him to take on all of our failures, all of our brokenness, all of our cynicism, all of our thanklessness and become our sin for us and defeat it once and for all forever in suffering and in dying on the cross for us. And then Jesus is raised from the dead. He doesn't stay in the tomb. He ascends to heaven and he is anointed at the right hand of the Father. And in doing so, he has achieved completely making you his own. You are his people this morning, chosen by him from the beginning of time, Ephesians tells us, and there's nothing that anyone, including you, can do to change that or to undo that. So according to this psalm this morning here, having the right identity, it actually changes everything. 
knowing whose we are, that what Peter tells us, you are the prized possession of the creator, the king and the redeemer of the world. Knowing that, it actually changes us. It transforms us. Knowing that you did nothing to earn this status as a child of the king and you can do nothing to lose it, it actually gives you a security and a confidence and a boldness. But most of all, it produces a thankfulness that pours out of you that cannot be quieted, that has to shout for joy. Because look at what my Lord has done for me. It has to sing joyful songs about the greatness and the goodness of God and the things that he's done for us. Because he's made us his own, this amazing reality, it should actually drive us and free us and enable us to give thanks even in the midst of discouragement, even in the midst of confusion, even in the midst of all the darkness that's around us. We can look to this psalm and we can see Our Lord, his love endures forever. He is faithful and he has loved me and he has made me his own. If you've, I don't know if you've ever seen um, the movie 50 First Dates. It tells the story of Lucy played by Drew Barrymore who uh, gets into an accident um, and she can't make new memories. So her, her father and her brother, whom she lives with, they, they don't know how to help her move forward with her life, and so they basically just replay the day before her accident every single day moving forward. So, so Lucy isn't really living life. Lucy isn't really moving on with her life. She's just reliving the day before her accident every day. Well, she finally meets Adam Sandler's character, um, and over time, he actually falls in love with her, and if you fast forward to the end of the movie, um, they get married, and they have a son together, uh, and, and since she can't make new memories still, um, Adam Sandler makes a video for her every morning when she wakes up. So the first thing she does is she watches this video that reminds her who she is, that tells her who she is. It tells her about the life that they have together. It tells her about her accident. It tells her about his love and his faithfulness to her and his commitment to her. And that's exactly what this psalm does for us. It's exactly what the gospel of Jesus does for us. God delights in morning after morning, waking up, having us wake up and replay the reality of who he is and what he's done for us. He wants you to wake up and to know the truth of this psalm every day that I am, I am his and he is mine. He made me and he loves me and he sent Jesus to die for me and he promises to never leave me. He promises to be faithful even when I'm not. That he's, he's producing this thankfulness in us. So this, this morning, as we leave this place, I wanna ask you, do you know whose you are? Do you know that the God of the Bible, the God of the universe, looked at you and loves you and made you his? Does that produce a thankfulness in you that cannot be quieted, that cannot be quenched? May we be a people that are thankful because of the goodness of what our God has done. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness to us. We we are thankful that you have made us and that we are yours, that you have given yourself over to us. We pray that we would be a people that respond to your goodness, that respond to your sacrifice of your son, and that we would be a people that are transformed 
by your love for us. Help us to see whose we are. And may that change us and transform us into a people that love you and, and shout for joy for the whole world to see that you are good and you are God and that we are yours. May it be true of us this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.